Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Miss Sloan on today's review episode. I have been waiting for the after effects of Thanksgiving to wear off at the box office, at the theater, at the cinema, at the whatever. And finally, this weekend, we got some new movies to come out that are actually good. And the first one of those that I'm going to be reviewing this week is Miss Sloan. I saw this Thursday night uh, and was one of two people in the theater. And the other person actually ended up leaving early. Now, the showing was at 10 o'clock, so it might have been a time issue, but it also could have been that the guy didn't like the movie, but, like, he left, you know, with, like, 20 minutes left to go in the movie, which is why I believe it was more of a time issue than anything else. Uh, But I stayed for the whole thing, and... Miss Sloan, so the story is um, Jessica Chastain is a lobbyist who has garnered a reputation in Washington as being pretty ruthless, pretty cutthroat, and just very good at what she does. And early on in the movie, she's approached by the gun, by a representative of the NRA, to help them appeal more to women. And in doing so, kill a bill in Congress that will ultimately require more detailed background checks to acquire a firearm. And Jessica Chastain's character, Miss Sloan, uh, basically laughs him out of the meeting. Uh, You know, and it's, oh, her laugh, that moment is, is really... It's interesting because it comes it comes up very early in the movie. You have a rough idea of her character, but it hasn't fully formed at that moment. And so when she laughs, you don't expect it. But you're also not sure how much of her personality that is part of. You know, is that, you know, because you don't really, that doesn't really happen going forward in the movie. She doesn't really laugh a lot. But you get this assumption that it's not that the laughter is part of her character, it's that the lack of a filter and uh, bluntness with which she reacts to other people is part of her character. And that definitely holds true uh, for as you as we move through the movie. And so she her boss is very upset because the gun, the NRA is kind of the biggest, lobby force in in politics really and losing that account is very significant to their firm I, I guess firm would be the right word in and in response uh, Miss Sloan leaves 
and joins the team working against the gun lobby, working against the NRA, trying to make sure the bill passes. And then the rest of the film follows as they try to garner enough votes to make sure that they can override... um, Oh, what's the term? Uh, Where you stand up and, like, talk for, like, 20 hours. Mm. It's a something-proof majority. Uh, Oh, shoot. Uh, It's killing me. What is the answer? Filibuster-proof. Filibuster-proof. So, and, you know, from the start, you know, they're basically even with the number of senators that are in the NRA's pocket, so they have a lot of ground to make up. And the movie kind of plays out pretty straightforwardly from there. You know, you expect a lot of ups and downs, you expect a lot of uh, measures and countermeasures to be taken on both sides, as Miss Sloan, this notorious lobbyist presence and personage, goes up against the very firm, because her old firm ends up taking on the contract and under the impression that if anyone can beat Sloan, it's them because they've worked with her. They know her so well. So that provides a very interesting dynamic as far as is she as good as everyone thinks she is? And there are times where you believe that without a shadow of a doubt. And then there are other times where you're like, oh, wait a second, you know, that's a chink in the armor that's that's a that, did she overlook that and you're never sure exactly how much of what's happening is playing into the grand scheme that she's working on because you know you you realize early on that she doesn't just do things for the sake of them she has a clear plan a set course and direction in which she's trying to go and Jessica Chastain is brilliant in this lead role. I loved her. I thought she did a great job. Uh, she's cold and calm and collected. And there are a couple of moments in the movie where she really breaks down. And, you know, you can feel kind of the facade crumbling, you know, in front of, in front of your, her face, really. And, you know, the whole cast, I thought, was really good. You know, the acting is good. Uh, Michael Stolberg, um, Mark Strong, and uh, Gugu Mbatha-Raw, I think they were all played really well. And the, you know, most of the stronger characters in this movie are women. And that was also very significant. And I, I thought that that was you know, a, a, a boon for the film. The the one actor slash character that I really felt was underserviced or uh, underwritten, something in along those lines, he just, he didn't work for me, it was Jake Lacey's character. And Jake Lacey... Uh, if you've watched some of the, I think I think he's in the last two seasons of The Office. He's one of the new interns. Uh, there's, I think, Clark is the shorter, chubbier one. 
and then Jake Lacey plays the taller one that ends up sort of dating Ellie Kemper for a while. I, I, my memory of The Office is a little fuzzy. And not to spoil who he is in the movie, but I, I just found it him really... He plays a pivotal role at one point, and I just I didn't I didn't buy it. I, I couldn't buy him in this role, in this character, really at all. And that that was probably my biggest problem with it. Uh, but everyone outside of him, I thought was great. Uh, Jessica Chastain was definitely cream of the crop in this one. You know, really good performance. Yeah. Um, let's see. So, my ultimate feelings on the film, uh, you know, it is currently number 21 on my 2016 top list, uh, putting it, putting it right behind the edge of 17, and only behind that because of tiebreakers. Uh, Miss Sloan has done very, um, it has gotten very mixed reviews from critics. Uh, I've currently got it at a 65. I think that number's actually gone down now uh, since the last time I checked Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, but I gave it an 81. I thoroughly enjoyed it. You know, it's got a, it, it hits that genre of you have someone who is incredibly good at what they do and what they do happens to be an occupation where you're constantly trying to one-up somebody else. Um, so if you want to think about something like uh, uh, Inside Man, you know, where you've got Clive Owen and Denzel Washington trying to uh, outdo each other, trying to outthink the other person. Like, that's basically what she's doing. She's trying to outthink every person. And like she says in the movie... Um, and I believe this is in the preview. Um, what you're waiting for, what you're looking to do, is to play your trump card right after your opponent has played theirs. And I love that. I love those types of dynamics where you're always trying to think one step ahead of the other person. You know, it's kind of a chess match type of thing. And I, I just find that thoroughly entertaining. So yeah, so I give it an 81. Uh, that puts it, like I said, on par with the edge of seven, bleh, on par with the edge of 17, as well as the neon demon, all three of which are at 81. Um, due to t the tomato meter, Miss Sloan ends up in the middle of those two, with the edge of 17 ahead and the neon demon below. And uh, Miss Sloan comes in at 23rd overall. I think I might have missaid the other number. Um, yeah, so, uh, there's not going to be a statistics episode for this, but, uh, since, and since there won't be, I, I just wanted to run through a couple of things. Um, it was written by, or it was directed by John Madden, who is the Oscar nominated director uh, of Shakespeare in Love which is a much different movie from Miss Sloan. Uh, he's also 
directed the best exotic marigold hotel and the second best exotic marigold hotel um and then the fifth film of his that i've seen is kill shot which is bad but the others i think are all varying degrees of good uh it's written by jonathan Pereira, and is the only film of his that i've seen to to date and jessica chastain is now solidly in the top 100 uh, for actors coming off of this film she has moved up to 72nd and uh that's you know really good it's her seventh best movie so there's a wide swath of films that that beat it out uh that she's been in uh, which with the top one being zero dark 30 but you know as far as performances go uh, i think that man i think it's better she's been nominated twice uh for the help and for zero dark 30 i think this performance is better than her performance that in the help but i i think i would still lean towards zero dark 30 as her best performance that i've seen it's close though it is close um and then uh, before we go into the spoiler section uh, as far as oscar potential goes i really feel like this one might miss out on that you know i think jessica chastain has a shot at it and uh you know there might be there might be a technical award in there somewhere but i i don't really see it It, it's not flashy it's not going to win any sound categories visual effects cinematography you know jessica chastain is really the only actor that i would consider i don't think the direction or writing was good enough um so outside of chastain i really don't see this getting any nominations but i would love if it did uh you know i don't obviously i've seen much better movies than it this year but it is i still think it's great and i i really enjoyed it so i will be happy to see it get recognition but i'm not really holding my breath so to speak um so yeah that's miss sloan i gave it an 81 currently my number 23 film from 2016 and you know i i had a lot of fun with it i really enjoyed it and i think all of the cast um do a good job with the characters that they are given jessica chastain being the best of them even though jake lacy kind of lets me down in times and I guess the other reason it's not highly higher rated would be because you know you once you realize exactly what type of movie you're watching you know like I mentioned like the one-upsman type of thing the chess match of it all that's basically it's then it's at that point it's up to the film to convince you that the outcome will be different than what it actually ends up being and I don't think it quite does that, you know, 
which is why which is why I think a film like Inside Man is so is is better because in Inside Man you're presented with Clive Owen and Denzel Washington and they're both given favorable scenes where you can root for both of them and because you're rooting for both of them you know you have to expect that only one of them can win and that's and like the film ends up subverting you in that very expectation which i i absolutely love whereas here uh the person i believe that you expect to win does ultimately and i I never really doubted that i i wavered a little bit but i i think that there there could have been a stronger case made uh, against the expected outcome of the movie so yeah so uh, we will now we will now be moving into spoiler territory and just a forewarning spoiler territory is also going to tangentially uh, involve some political talk outside of the film but that relates to the film and uh, you have been warned any path so many worth exploring just one would be so boring and look what you're ignoring so she wins she she does win and she does it in electrifying fashion you get a sense of you know this this trial this this hearing that's taking place with John Lithgow's character is very unfortunate you know it starts and you know you get you're kind of nervous but you're never really super nervous and then the whole Allison Pill drama where she does this you know you see the flashbacks you see the background of how they got to that point and you know finding the form with her handwriting and setting it all up and all that stuff and you know, we're being told that we're being led to believe that everything that happened, all the circumstances, all the evidence, all the exchanges are essentially set up for this hearing and to essentially put Miss Sloan in a position where she can monologue and in, in a single blow, destroy the entire case against her and win the vote on the Senate bill. Even if that's true, it, as much as while watching it, I loved it for the excitement factor, I simultaneously hated that everything was like according to plan you know you you i get that she's really freaking good at what she does but i do think that there's gotta be some limitation to that you have to you gotta restrain that in some sense you know she's up against these people who are equally qualified who have worked with her for years at this point and you're saying that they don't win once, like they go up against each other all the time, and you're saying that they don't win one time? 
you know, you know, obviously you're going to have her win in the end, but they don't get a single battle. They don't get a single victory along the way. That just seems very hard to believe, you know, because when you're watching the movie, she gets periodic setbacks. You know, Alison Pill's character doesn't go with her when she leaves the corp, the, her initial group, her initial company. Um, you know, all of a sudden, she starts to derail during the debate that she has with Stolberg's character. She ends up at the hearing. And, but, you know, you find out that all of these things are according to plan. That's exactly what she expected to happen. She planned for them accordingly. And I feel like the movie needed at least one example where she was not one full step ahead of the opposition. And the only time where that really happens isn't even part of the actual um, bill and trying to get that passed. It happens early on when she meets Mark Strong's character and thinks that he's just a journalist media reporter and he turns out to be the guy um, running the whole or, or heading the leading the charge against the NRA and like that's the only moment you really get a a, a shock from from her and it's small but it's there and I, I just think that the movie could have used one more big moment like that um, yeah, so the second thing that bugs me, pun intended, is the cockroach uh, video camera microphone used to record Lithgow and, oh, Waterston's uh, conversation. I I'm okay with her knowing where they're going to be, or having even told them to just follow Waterston's character, or whatever the case may be. But I wish I would have seen that. And it, it could have also been in the flashback, but I still wish I could have seen that. Because um, I think it's just a, one or two feet too far to jump to make that connection otherwise. Um, just to get a reason like, oh, you think so-and-so is going to... You know, like, you would expect, like, as soon as she, you know, if she is tracking him, then she would know that he's trying to, you know, bury her, and, I mean, obviously he's trying to bury her regardless, but I think we're missing a piece of information in that storyline, as far as that goes, and I... The, the movie doesn't that a lot where it 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 skips over like pertinent information and that's kind of what keeps the movie from being in the 90s or you know, even the high 80s is you know it it's not that it is asking you the the viewer to fill in the information for for you but it's blatantly cutting out scenes that I think would only serve to help the movie 
and reinforce just how potent and strong Sloane's character is. You know, you it's one thing for her to say, I planned it all. You're like, wow, wait, she did, but then it's a second another thing to like actually see her plan it. Like show us her planning ahead, planning out the the details. Don't just tell us that she did it. I guess is what I'm getting. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. Show don't tell. Um But to get at like the heart of this movie and Chastain kind of monologues about this at the end of the hearing when she has her big reveal is that it is so, so true that real-life congressmen, real-life senators, real-life politicians like John Lithgow's character who are staunchly in favor or against one some some side of some issue uh, you know, in this case being, um, you know, the interpretation of the Second Amendment, the right to bear arms, the NRA, the gun lobby, all of those kind of things, that there's some number that you can put in on a check to make someone change the way they think. And I know that for some people that's really easy and that's fine there's nothing wrong with that but for those people they shouldn't be politicians and that's kind of the issue is that you know i know for myself personally you know i'm i'm against guns i don't like guns i never I've never held a gun. I don't ever plan to own one or fire one. I don't want one. You know, any of that kind of stuff. And I think that the less guns that there are, the better for all people involved. That said, there's, I'm sure, some number that would get me to change my mind about that. And I don't know where that number, what that number is. I don't know how many zeros are on the end of that number. You know, but at some point, that number could be discovered. And I do feel like it's a very high number. You know, I don't think it's... It's not as easy as just, you know, here's $10,000, vote yes instead of no. You know, that's that's not good enough for me. Like, it would have to be an exorbitant number that would basically mean I can retire for life and my kids can retire, you know, that kind of a number, a huge number, you know, and, and I believe that hopefully, you know, to my paltry income, that it would be a number that a lot of people would look at and say, like, that's not worth it. You know, we could get everybody else's signatures for that number. You know, we don't need yours kind of deal. And I don't remember whether or not they exp- they say how much Lithgow gets, uh, how much he's bribed for. Um, but I think that today in our society, 
lobbyists basically just bribe people, you know, and I'm sure that's not the case with all of them. You know, you can't, no statement that addresses a huge group of people is ever universally accurate, but I think it is predominantly true that the majority of lobbyists use their sway in Washington uh, immorally, amorally. And the movie does a good job of displaying this as a bad thing, because it is a bad thing. It's ridiculous that these people that we voted for, these people that represent us, that represent our country, that represent the ideas that we want them to, are basically bought and paid for by the wealthy and conglomerates and corporations and stuff like that. Because, and and I don't mean that to say, you know, if, if we... My, if my state votes for a senator, uh, that, that that senator has to always do the things that we agree with. doesn't have to. If he's a, he or she is their own person and can vote however they want. Uh, just presumably, we voted for them because that person agrees more with what we want than with what we don't want. And so we expect them to, more often than not, vote the way we would vote, given that circumstance. But that person is still a person, and their views and opinions are subject to change. Now, how much deviation is permissible varies from person to person. But if... But I think it's really easy to see just to see someone's opinions, you know, swap switch in a unprecedented and illogical way, like, for example, being paid to, you know, there's a lot to be said about changing your viewpoint when you're presented with new information or you've come to understand something better. You know, you can look at President Obama, who initially ran against gay marriage and then later came out in support of it. And whatever you think about that uh, change being made in favor of polling or just to uh, satisfy the changing social climate of our country, or what have you. You know, it's not something he's walked back on since he came out again in favor of it. And that's something that, you know, I don't, I believe anyway, and I don't see any evidence to the contrary, that he was not paid to do. You know, I don't think anyone paid him to say, you're now in favor of gay marriage. That doesn't, you, you don't, I don't get that sense. Whereas, you know, and I don't, I don't have a specific example for a counter argument there, 
or, or I mean for for a circumstance where I think somebody was paid, but uh, well, I mean, I guess like no, I, I mean, I don't. And firstly, I think that's a good thing. I think if it were easier, it'd mean the problem was worse, but I do think that it's a very significant problem. You know, there's clearly a heavy, heavy influence, a heavy sway held by the gun lobby in Washington when year after year there's mass shootings, there's gun deaths, there's gun violence um, everywhere by every type of person from every denomination, from every possible classification of people that you can imagine because guns are simple, guns are deadly, and yet, all that said, there's still so many of them. And every, most, almost all attempts to moderate gun control, to make it more difficult for the potentially for the more dangerous individuals to acquire them is blocked at every turn. You know, despite what, despite seeing something, you know, despite stories on the news about this shooting, that shooting, and, you know, you can feel the public's outrage and the outcry against something like that happening and then nothing gets done about it and the reason is the NRA and the gun lobby and how effective they are at quote persuasion is troubling because you know in the movie one of the senators is uh, against guns, so he's in favor of the bill that uh, Jessica Chastain's character is working for. And then the NRA approaches him, and they're like, "Hey, man, look, uh, your son's running for such and such political office. How would you like it if we funded his opponent so that we made sure he lost?" And first of all, that seems like a very negligible threat. I I feel like. I don't think that that's a significant and severe enough penalty to vote in favor of the bill in the first place, but assuming it is, you know, you get to see the guy, they interview the guy, and he's like, yeah, no, no, I, I, I know I've said this for the entirety of my career, but I'm actually against it. And it's just like, what? Why? What has changed your mind? And, you know, you, you can't give a good reason because he doesn't have one. He can't tell people that he's being blackmailed. And then, and then you know, Jessica Chastain works her magic and he flip-flops back. And he's like, no, I didn't mean what I said. I didn't mean what I said. And we, you know, everyday citizens don't really see the behind the scenes of that which is nice, you know, it's interesting to see that play out in the movie. You know, you get to see, you know, we only really see the 
the news interview version of that, the highlights from, you know, the 12 o'clock news where so-and-so said something, so-and-so said something. Or, you know, we watch The Daily Show or Last Week Tonight or, you know, some other uh, news-related comedy program that, you know, again, doesn't have the entire story, doesn't have the entire insight behind the scenes, but, you know, combines all of the, you know, it'll show clips from last year, clips from two weeks ago, and clips from yesterday about this person who switched their opinion like three times. So, but again, like, that's not the full story. And that, it just really, it just really pisses me off that, these people who are elected to represent us are so easily corruptible. So simply and so straightforwardly paid for. And as as problematic and uh, cold and at times even cruel as Miss Sloan's tactics are as a lobbyist at no point is she really bribing anybody you know she'll do pretty much whatever it takes but you know she's not paying senators for their votes at the end of the day, she's doing, you know, all the things that she does in the movie are kind of the extremes that you would want your lobbyists to kind of restrain themselves to, restrict themselves to. They're definitely outrageous, especially at times, but they're also not, they don't seem unethical for the most part. And, you know, there are a couple of borderline cases, uh, you know, that especially that get brought up during the hearing. And, you know, I feel some type of way about those cases as well. But I think overall, I feel like Jessica Chastain is a lobbyist that you'd want, as opposed to somebody who just walks around and throws checks at people and says, vote my way, vote my way, vote my way. Um, yeah. So, in insofar as the kind of political message that the movie presents, I found it to be overwhelmingly a good one, as far as that can, uh, that's concerned. It presents, it presents lobbyists as... I guess kind of like bad people, but that that there's that they show Sloan, Miss Sloan, as a way to do this correctly, and that the other people and the other people, meaning the people she's working against in the movie, but also meaning pretty much everyone else are doing it wrong, and I think that that's. A big statement to make and an important one to make and I'm glad that this movie is making it and really presenting it to a wider viewing audience 
in a, in a very digestible way. So I, I, I do really appreciate this movie. I do really like this movie. It does have its hangups. They're, they're there. Um, you know, Jake Lacey as a prostitute escort. And, and then his, his thing at the end, like, obviously he has to be brought in for the hearing. Um, you know, cause he makes that one mistake of addressing her in public, but, uh, I just, I didn't buy any of the stuff he said. And even though when he refused to like go into detail about his relationship with Jessica Chastain, and I was like, you know, and, and in the theater, I was like, yes, good. Uh, cause I was like, oh shit, is he going to give it away? And then I was like, oh no, he said that he would never say anything. And so I was like, oh, okay, he's fine. But like, even when he said it, I was like, oh, that's great. You know, it felt like a win coming out of his mouth, like, he doesn't give off that sort of personality. Like, he doesn't make the character feel authentic. And I guess that's the biggest problem that I have with him. So, yeah, I think I think that's going to do it um, for Miss Sloan. Uh, like I said, 81 out of 100. Number 23 overall at this time. And, um, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode, and I hope that you'll at least give Miss Sloan and more of a chance to go see it if you weren't already, or we'll go see it at all. I, I recommend it, personally. And, uh, if you are so inclined, please feel free to like follow review uh the circle of film podcast on itunes stitcher google play uh or just go to the website at circleoffilm.com or email me at circleoffilm at gmail.com and as always have a week so long farewell i'll be the same good night come on baby won't we paint the town and all the jazz So long, farewell I'll be to saying adieu In the name of love One night in the name of love So long, farewell Oh, what I'll be to saying Wait a minute Wait a minute Wait a minute So long